Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it may be, wherever you are, and welcome to Raymond's Weekly Podcast. Um, my, my name is Pastor Craig Hagen. I'm here with Tony McKinnon, and we're here to brighten your day. Yeah, good day, good day, good day. Yeah. Having a wonderful time, because once again, this is a day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And we really mean that. See, some people say that, but they don't mean that. Yeah. We rejoice every day because God is awesome. Amen. And you know, 2021 is an awesome year. It's going to be awesome every day. I confess it every day. Um, I love God's awesomeness. You know, amen. Amen. He's good to me. He's, he's good to me. He's He'll be good to anyone. That's right. You know, if if we let him, better than you know, deserve. You know, yeah, Amen. Uh, once again, we would would like to contact with you and 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 talk to you if you want to contact us. Rama Podcast at Rama dot org. Rama spelled R H E M A um, dot O O R G. Rama uh, actually podcast at Rama dot org. Um, send us an email. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, and what you want us to change about the program or whatever it might be. Or also, you know, become our friends, fans, whatever they call on social media at Rhema Podcasts um, at, on Facebook and on Instagram. And so, and also there on Facebook and Instagram, you'll get some behind the scenes photos of what, what you call Granny's Attic. Granny's Attic. Granny's Attic. Uh, Rhema Studios here is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're gradually getting rid of some of our junk around here. Um, Sooner or later, it's going to be cool, but right now it's not. But um, <laughs> it's functional. It's functional. Yeah. It works. We're, we're able to use it to record this podcast to go around the world, and you know, and we we do love to hear from you guys, and we we love to hear that maybe we're helping some of you, maybe we're amusing some of you, and we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, I'm not sure about the joy that comes from us, but yeah, yeah it's good for yeah, something. One, one of the comments that we had, I think it was. Um, on, on our our Facebook page was, well, it's not facing with the air. Yes, I've read that. Yeah. I said, well, honey, we're not trying to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're not just trying to preach you a message. We're just trying to talk with you. Yeah. Um, you know, conversational things about whatever's um, on our hearts. Um, you know, sometimes we we read more scriptures and sometimes we tell more jokes. Yep. I mean, not like literally tell jokes. We're just we're just funny. Yeah. Well, it just comes by unction. Yeah, it comes by unction yeah. of the function of the function of the function of the yeah whatever. Something. <laughs> All right. Well, we have with us once again um, Justin Wigan, and um, he actually um, he pastors in a small town. Not only one church. I guess you have three churches now in a small town. If you if you didn't listen to the last episode, we encourage you to to do that. He came to Rama um, at eighteen years of age. Um, said he kind of goofed around his first couple of years or first year at least, you know, but he took good notes. Thank God for his good notes. But, you know, it, it's not easy to pastor in a small town. And we know we have many pastors who listen to this um, podcast and, you know, maybe looking for ideas or maybe wondering, well, how can I, you know, I'm, I'm barely pastoring one church. How can I pastor three churches? And, and you, you said last program that you, you, you're planning, you know, church four and five coming up pretty soon. But Justin, first of all, it's good to have you on the program. Um, secondly, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know all since you told me the topic you want to be the whole time. I'm, I started thinking about the John Cougar Mel Camp song. I was born in a small town. <laughs> Got the that, fear of Jesus in a small that's town. That's actually our, our theme song. That's your theme song? Our church. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, so we're talking about small town church, um, you know, and, you know, just to kind of talk about your this town you live in I mean, how many stoplights do you have in your town uh one it's only because there's a main road on the edge of our town all right do, so do you have a mcdonald's in your town absolutely not no mcdonald's no okay no. okay justin 
uh, where I come from, we do have one stoplight now, and I'm not talking about the town. I'm talking about the whole county. And okay. When I came to school, we it's had different. no we had no stoplights, and we, and there's still no McDonald's. So I identify. Oh yeah, and I I think people think of small town. They think of town sub a hundred thousand people, yeah. and I just kind of laugh. I, I think of small towns. I think sub. 3,000 people mm. like that's different our whole county has 40,000 people in it and uh, one Walmart can service the whole county yeah so, so you, you'd have a Walmart uh, we do in our county so I, I, I think it's unique that uh, very few people get small town but I see so many people uh, when they talk about church it, you want to make a huge impact quickly like Go into a small town. It's an opportunity to, to do so. I, I yes. think. I mean, I really do think so because it seems like everybody's running out of small communities. Um, the bigger towns have a lot of big, healthy, thriving churches, and there's not a lot of that in these small communities. So I, I think people who are wanting to get started, if God's calling you to rural communities, small communities, like don't be afraid to embrace it. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, so just to, for, for our listeners' references, um, Broken Air, Oklahoma, where Rama is, um, has about 120,000 um, folks, maybe a few more, uh, talking to the mayor the other day, or waiting for the census to come in. Um, we actually have our own Rama Walmart, not actually on Rama campus, but pretty close. So. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, a, it's a super Walmart. It's a big, bigger one. You know, here in he fact, built, I, built that Walmart when I was in school. Yeah, and so I guess we have three super WalMarts in in, um, in Broken Arrow, as well as a number of other WalMarts. And then the the Tulsa metropolitan area is roughly just a little short of, of probably a little small, sort of a million people. And um, obviously, Justin said when he lived in Tulsa, that was the biggest town he's ever lived in. Um, I, I think Tulsa proverb is like six hundred thousand, and then all the all the metropolitan areas, you know. Um, and, and so, obviously, even though I consider Broken Arrow a small town, um, Justin considers that a, a big town. And, and some of you, you know, out there, obviously, Tony, you're, you're from the middle of nowhere, Georgia. Tony, <laughs> there's a Brahm on every corner. You yeah. can get ice cream. Yeah, like in, in our towns, you're lucky if you there's one little tiny tasty free that's yeah. attached to a we gas got, station. Got, so that's crazy. Yeah, there's one place in Willacoochee. You go to Sambo's. Yeah. Yeah. So the symbols are still up in Willacoochee. Still there. Been wow. there all my life. All your life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a prompt in walking distance from the house you're thinking out. I'm very aware of that, Craig, because I've been there several times. Thank you very much. <laughs> and for some of you that don't know about Brahms, Brahms is a, an ice cream and, and dairy store, but also they have great hamburgers. They actually have really good breakfast. And, and also they have a small little market there where you can they have really good milk and all kinds of things. We, we, we like Brahms. Um, it's a good place. Um, and so we'll, we'll give them some props here on, on the program. You know, family-owned outfit right here out of Oklahoma. Got a yeah. huge, huge I ranch. just wish when I was going to school out here, they would have had that same type of grocery store they have. I don't know that I ever would have went anywhere else other yeah. than Brom we, when, we I, when I was a little grocery store Brom. We right. went there, and, and, and it was there. You just didn't, you just didn't pay attention. Yeah. That Brom's been there forever. Yeah, you just didn't look. I didn't and realize you, they had a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. listen to me, son. Okay. You, you go in there, and what we did, because we were poor in school, just like most Brahma students, and and you go there and they have the little section of the stuff that's they've marked down because it's out of date. It's out of date. Yeah, yeah we buy all that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you, once you graduate from Rama, you move back. Uh, well, actually, first of all, I guess you 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 moved to a small town of Kentucky. We were mm-hmm. a youth pastor there for a while, and then you moved back to the. You said the 
the county next to you? Yeah, the county, the county next to us we moved back to and um, just decided to start a church there. We felt the Lord, you know, was leading us to do it, and there you go. Yeah, for, for those that didn't listen to the last program, talk about, you know, your first church or second church and how, how, how all those things came about. Yeah, it's just, I think at first the Lord just kind of tells you what you can handle. Um, had he said, hey, I'm going to have you launch a bunch of churches in rural communities, I probably, I probably wasn't ready for that. Yeah. It, I think at 25 or so. Um, so we just heard start the one church in, in a specific county, Preble County, Ohio. And we did that. And the further time went on, we just started seeing that, man, these rural communities, they they need something. They they need the type of church that, that we are. We consider a life-giving church. We minister to the whole family, um, which isn't unique. Like, I get it. Everybody's doing the same thing. But in these rural communities, we kind of found our niche. And uh, I'd rather see, for, for me personally, I'd rather see um, 10 churches of 200 people than one church of 2,000. Yeah. Um, you have one church of 2,000 in our area. They're going to be pulling from a lot of different little towns. And Rather, I'd like to see a church of, you know, 150, 200 people right in their community, ministering to that community, being a part of that community, being a part of the school system, uh, being a part of the the chamber meetings, meeting with the city managers. Like, those are just things I think in rural communities you get that um, there again, I'm not opposed to anybody being in bigger towns, but this is what works for us. And I don't think people have a real good picture of what it's like to minister or to be a part of uh, rural communities. No, you're right. And, and you, like you said, uh, you touched on it there and you mentioned it last podcast, you know, um, people drive out of these small communities to shop. They drive out of these small communities to do all these things. They shouldn't have to drive out of these small communities to go to a life giving church. Mm-mm. Uh, that should be right there and plugged in and a part of their daily life. Well, and I think also you hit on something. I, I don't care what size community you live in. The church should be a part of the community. You know, we oh, we should get involved, yeah. like I said, with our school system. You know, you adopt a, adopt a school. Um, you know, we'll work with the, you know, the community leaders and 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 be a, be a part of the community and not anti the community because it seems like a, a lot of people, a lot of churches are you know they kind of do their own thing. Yeah. But um, but you know, I think a real church should be a part of the community and, and could be a help and you know even be able to use their facilities to to help the the community grow and and just for. For you guys that are there listening, um, th- there is a website. Even though Justin has terrible internet at, at his at his house, um, you're not going to let that die, are you? Yeah, no, I'm not. No, okay, good. Um, Community of Faith is, is that's what you call your churches, correct? Um, yes. And um, it's cofchurches.com. That's cofchurches.com, and you can look up. And, and actually, um, there's all kinds of different things that they have, and even even they put on some of Pastor Justin's um, um, messages, and and, and he. Um, he has some some things here, some resources that he probably didn't do, but someone did. It's called Pastor Justin's Corner right here. So, so if you want to, I do see, have a corner that yeah. I recommend stuff. Yeah. I have an amazing uh, admin yeah. assistant, and I just tell her, and she is amazing yeah, at put, so, updating. So, it. if you want to find out some more things about him, um, you can check out um, cofchurches.com. Now, you know, a lot of people graduate from Rama. And they they want to start a church and and they go up the street of a couple of blocks and and they they start a church here in Broken Arrow area because in Broken Arrow there's enough Christians that can fill every church in yeah, Broken yeah. Arrow. So I can open up a hot dog yeah. stand in Disneyland. But but I I think you know one thing that's unique about going into a community, you know there are a lot of folks if there happens to be a church in that community, they might not be um, you know I might be 
Baptist, but since it's a church, I'm going to check that church out because, you know, I don't want to drive 30 minutes to, to Dayton or someplace like that, you know, if I feel comfortable. So I'm, I'm assuming you can reach some people who maybe didn't grow up in the Word of Faith movement, you know, just because you planted a church in their area and they want to come check you out. Yeah, you definitely have that. People just want to be in their community. So they're going to try every church in their community before they leave their community to go elsewhere. So uh, it's just kind of just being available to that community. And then I think what you said about being involved in the community, like I don't even know how to begin if I was to go into a big metropolitan area. Like where do you even begin with relationships? And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of great pastors out there who have figured it out. But when COVID hit and all the schools closed down around us, uh, my staff said, you know, they came into me and they said, hey, what, what do we do? How do we minister to the community? And I said, just stop trying to look for it. I said, the community will tell us what they need. And it, it wasn't uh, a couple days later, our phone rang and it was the school and every kid that was on free and reduced lunches. They weren't going to, you know, they weren't sure they were going to get lunches throughout that time frame because the schools were shut down. So we had a warehouse that wasn't being used and we started distributing, you know, five lunches and five breakfasts. And we did that from March, April and May. And, but it was because our relationship in the community that they called us, they knew that we could help out. So when you're in communities like that, it's like you're able to jump into a community and get plugged in really quick where I'm sure you can do that too. In bigger communities, I just wouldn't know how. Well, it's, you you show yourself and I'll speak from experience also, you, you show yourself, uh, your interest in the community and they learn real quick. Uh, you care, you love, you're interested in what they're doing, and so then you're the one they call. You become the the one that gets asked uh, for you know for help, and then you're able to leverage influence that um, I don't know how to say it. It's harder to do in a in a, in a metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just the ne- another guy on the block in a in a large city. Um, but you can leverage influence in uh, for the kingdom. And, Absolutely, uh, in in a smaller community, in a way that, uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. I agree at one hundred percent. Yeah. So, Craig, what's the smallest town you've ever lived in? The smallest town I've ever lived in is <laughs> Broken Arrow. Yeah, I guess Broken Arrow. I mean, um, I, obviously, well, when I was younger, um, we lived in Garland, Texas, and at that time was probably smaller than. Um, but that was a suburb of Dallas, and so. Mm-hmm. Dallas is is huge and then you know we've always my my parents have always lived in Tulsa Um, you know once I I graduated from college I I moved to Broken Arrow and that's the smallest community I ever lived in but actually when when I first moved to Broken Arrow I actually lived lived at 71st and Garnett anyone knows where where that kind of that area between Garnett and 129th basically I lived about two and a half miles from Raymond two and a half miles from the mall one of the most populated areas around so i mean i had plenty of things i mean you know to do i mean I've, I've never lived in a small town you know and but i think because i've never lived in a small town i don't know what to do in a small town i, I you know probably freak out um, cow tipping uh, cow tipping. <laughs> yeah um you know it, it to, to me it wouldn't it wouldn't be wouldn't be fun i know both of you guys you know are used to it but um you know, my mom would freak out, first of all. So we would have never had to live in a small town because when she moved to Talta, she was really concerned about living in a small town like like Tulsa. Um, and I guess it's all a matter of perspective. 
Like, yeah. you know, you, you, you got people who grew up in towns of where there's hundreds of people there, yeah. like moving to a town where there's 8,000 is, is huge for them. Yeah. Like, so it's all a matter of perspective, but if you're not used to it, it doesn't really make sense to you. But I have just found that one of the greatest harvest fields in America for that I see is in rural communities. Yeah, absolutely. Like they've been abandoned by businesses, uh, retail stores, uh, politicians. Yeah. I mean, and they've just kind of been forgotten. So, mm-hmm. um, anything that can help bring life in there. And even when a new business comes to town, uh, we had a little coffee shop bistro open up in our town of 1500 people. And I'll be honest, I don't leave town anymore to go to lunch. That's, that's where I'm going to go to lunch. Cause I want to support that business yeah. and it has been good for our community. So it's that community where we all come together. That is, is something I appreciate. Um, but it's a matter of perspective. You didn't grow up with it. You don't understand it. Um, if you did grow up with it, you either love it or you hate it. Some kids can't wait to get out of the small town. I couldn't wait to get back when I was here in Tulsa. Well, I remember talking to a student one time and he just showed up. Um, I'm not sure where he was from originally, but he, he said, um, said there's more people at your church than in my whole town. <laughs> 100 yeah, percent like yeah. that was aware and, and so it was, I, I felt it was, that too it was kind of and, and you know it was hard for him and because he's not used to seeing that many people all in one place um you know so yeah i mean everything's our perspective but but the thing is i i believe no matter where you are you should try to reach out to your community um you know and i've, I've told pastors all the time especially i said you know one of the the things that that people especially now i mean there's a lot of people who for whatever reason, don't go to church. And um, one of the relatives passed away and, and they don't have anyone to do their funeral. I mean, you can talk with the, the you know, different funeral homes in town and, and say, hey, you know, if someone doesn't have a pastor, I'll do the funeral for them. And a lot of times that's the way to meet people. You know, if you can reach out to people d- during their toughest time, then, then they want to check you, you know, check your church out and find out, you know, what you have to, to offer because, you know, you, you were there whenever they were going through a, a tough time in life. And, you know, um, you know, it is harder in a bigger town because a lot of times there's already you know, already established things. Now, Broken Arrow is a little bit different because Broken Arrow used to be a small community, and then it's grown over the years, and, and, it, and now it's become you know a fairly large um, community. You know, so we have over 100,000 people, and so I guess it's the um, fourth largest city in Oklahoma, um, and so it's a it's a great place. In fact, it's a great place to come to. Come to Bible College. Um, you know, I, I know. Is that R, is that RBTC dot org? RBTC dot org. You okay. Know, check, check us out on on the web. Um, hopefully that you're in a place that you actually have um, the web. I'm sure you do since listen to this podcast. Um, and so go to RBTC dot org and check out Rama. We would love to have you as a student. Um, you know. Like Justin, whenever you came to Rama, you didn't even know anything about the Hagen Ministries. You knew nothing about about you know my grandfather. You came because one of your pastor that you know um, came came here, and you you've always wanted to be like him, and so you did what he did. You came to Rama, and so maybe if you just want to learn more about the Bible and don't really know what you you're called to do, come here. Check out rbtc.org. Uh, our, our our folks will give you a call back. Um, Once again, that is rbtc.org right rbtc.org is that and this radio show is sponsored by rbtc.org yes yes so it's, it's called the rama podcast i mean obviously all things rama here so here you are you know back at home in a small town and you start one church um 
but how'd the second church go and the third and, and now you're thinking about the fourth and fifth i mean mm-hmm. i mean you know i mean not everybody i mean a lot of people think okay i got one church going that's good i'm, I'm comfortable you know why, why do i need the extra work and also too you talked about where you said quote unquote you still open another church and unlike the most popular thing to do you didn't you know have um, um, a, a video pastor there you actually have what you call real pastors a real pastor <laughs> yeah. so it's a real boy so, so, so right there so you actually have pastors of, of all your churches and so it's 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 you know they can reach out and touch somebody talk to someone shake their hand on the way out if if covid lets them um but anyway talk about that how you went from one to two to three to maybe five yeah and there again that that calling just kind of uh it, it's continuing to evolve and and change as we move forward but um it's just the doors opened up i actually what we see when we in these small communities we see people from branching communities we actually see them starting to come so while we were in one community there's a group of people coming from a community that was 15 minutes away and you know, the lord just started moving our hearts like why not put a church in that community where people told us it's too close to the main campus. You can't do that. You'll lose your people. Um, but I, the Lord led us to do it. So we started a church there. So here comes third church. People are coming from another community. And well, instead of having them come from that community, let's put our church in their community. So we want to go to where they're at, not to where we're at. We don't want them leaving their community and that you're always going to have some of that. But at the end of the day, uh, we, that that's kind of how the new churches identify themselves. We see where people are coming. Then we ask God, are you doing something? And if he leads us to go into that town, we go. So, you know, we have our next two campuses, um, identified that we're going to be going into, Hopefully this year, if, if, if everything works out, but it's because people are coming from these communities and we want to put a church in their community, not have them leave their community to come to ours. So that's really our heart behind it. And that's how that, that kind of just evolves. Now, I know a lot of people probably are kind of thinking the same way you are, but they're thinking, well, but that's too expensive. How, how do you afford that? Or, or does that take away from your main church finances and those kinds of things? So talk about that, how, how God can provide when you take the step of faith. Oh man. Uh, that's, you know, I've never ever thought about how, how to pay for it. Like it's, we, we have a, a great executive pastor that he's wonderful with figuring out how we do it. Um, and I don't always know how financially, but real estate in these rural communities, it's, it's very affordable. Um, especially empty church buildings. They, they don't know what to do with them. A lot of people turn them into houses. We have the old one-room schoolhouses people live in all the time. Um, so a lot of these old churches get turned into houses. Um, so we're able to pick up churches very reasonable, or we have a partnership with the YMCA, very affordable lease for us. Um, so it's just kind of we're honing in the equipment cost, the remodel cost, outfitting them for us, and um, and it just kind of works and we plan for it. I think people come in and they may see uh, how we run our finances and they might not understand it. But we also know that if we launch two churches this year, it changes the whole financial climate really quick uh, because you have to buy a lot of equipment. You have to buy some real estate or sign a lease. Um, So we just constantly look at that and, you know, finances really hasn't been an issue uh, holding us back from what, what we've been called to do. It's, it's, it's been there from day one. And I think that's pretty important, you know, to do what you're called to do. And if you're called to do it, then God, God will, will meet your needs. You know, 
whether it be financial, physical, yeah. spiritual, emotional, whatever it might be. We, know, we, we need more, more like leaders. Like if I had more pastors, we, we'd move quicker. Yeah. Like raising them up is way harder than raising money. Mm, that's and, true. and it takes way more time and energy to raise up people. Uh, if we could put a video campus in, in other locations and it would save us a lot of headache, but we really feel called to raise up pastors and to put them in there. So, well, you know, one of the things that just yesterday uh, in my pastoral class that I teach here, um, you know, I was talking to them about the pastoral vocation is the most context specific of anything you could do. And, and in saying that, um, you know, video doesn't work everywhere, especially in rural America. They want to touch, like Craig said in, a little bit in Jess a while ago, they want to touch somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, they want a real pastor, somebody that's going to be there at the hospital, somebody that's going to bury them, somebody that they can see on Sunday and shake their hand going out the door. And I, and I think the big thing for us is nobody's calling me to – from another campus to do their family members funerals. Like mm-hmm. they're asking that pastor that's on exactly, site there. It's, exactly. it's a big difference. And, and Craig, you said something earlier about the main campus. Like yeah. we would consider, but our office buildings are off site. Any campus no longer is the one I started the main campus. Actually attendance wise, we're not even the biggest campus anymore. So we try not to have a main campus. We are, I mean, I, I don't, want to have a sister campus that doesn't get the same resources, the same attention, the same energy. So really we try to keep them all. They're just, it's just a campus. And even though it's the one I pastor, it doesn't get, it actually probably gets less attention because I'm there to manage it and handle it where the other ones get way more attention and they get all the new nice stuff, which really annoys me at times. Because I still have the old stuff from 14 years ago. They have the brand new stuff because they're a new plant. So, which is kind of cool. As a, as a parent, you love to see your kids do better than you. And I'm seeing these other churches, they're actually doing better than the one I'm at it, it, when you look at it from an external point of view. You know, I actually I heard a guy speak and, and he asked some campuses in, in rural Arkansas. And, and like you're saying, he, he bought an old church building. And he said, it, you know, we have all the green pew you, you might want. And then, you know, <laughs> It, it came to a point was, but you know, he was getting ready to, to remodel, but but then the Lord, you know, prompted him to start started on another campus, another campus. He's, so how many years later, he still has all the green pew you want. <laughs> yeah, nobody walks into our facilities wowed by how amazing it is or how decorative it is. Like they're just good churches in small towns. Yeah. So that's awesome. And in every every small town needs a church. Now, now I know you're not necessarily online, but I'm assuming you have a. Um, we know you have a website, but you know, could you give your email out because there might be some pastors listening, you know, and, and they're thinking that maybe they're pastoring a small town or, or maybe they're, you know, thinking about using a model like yours. I mean, is there? Can you give an email out? Yeah, so, it's real simple. You can email me Justin at cofchurches dot com. Justin at cofchurches dot com. So yep. Justin has all the answers. And oh uh, gosh, <laughs> no, that's but, enough. But I, I'm assuming I have no answers. <laughs> He's like the Yoda. Of no, I'm not by you know, any means. But I'm, I'm sure you, you can hold your executive pastor and other people who sure. who might could help them. You know, because I'm sure there's other other pastors that that have considered. You know, maybe we should start another another campus. And how do you do that? And especially in a small town, I mean, you know, things are. It's not just easy to do. Um, you know, and or or maybe you maybe. There's some churches in bigger towns that have thought about going to some small t- communities around, around their church, you know, put a campus there and, you know, 
Justin at cofchurches.com. And you can you can email Justin. And, you know, so, you know, obviously, what is your thoughts? What is some advice you might give to a pastor who is pastoring in a small town, whether they have one church or many churches? And, I mean, what, what do they need to do to, to, reach, to effectively reach their community? Uh, so, Tony, you kind of were here. I would say, like, we keep going to getting involved in the community, but say yes to your community because they're, they're going to come and ask you to be part of the chamber of commerce, like go to their meetings. There was one time that, uh, we we weren't having enough people to show up to our chamber meetings and ministers got a free membership. Well, we changed it to where ministers could pay for a membership because they needed a third person to vote. So I was the third person going to the chamber meetings, but I started going. Now I don't go as much because there's plenty of people who go. I got asked to coach junior high girls basketball. I said, yes, like, I get to, I mean, this was like the second year of our church. So, so, so you, you, it wasn't your girls, right? It was just, no, it just, it just, yeah, just, we, can you coach junior high girls? We have an yeah. opening, nobody to coach them. So I said, yes. I mean, they came to me asking me to come into their school. They asked me to announce the varsity basketball games. Yes. Like, so there's a point where you don't want to run yourself ragged. You still have to have a family and you still have to protect some of that. But at the end of the day, when you're starting, say yes to your community. Because they're going to come to you and they're going to have needs. And what can you do to help them out? Partner with them. Don't fight against them. No. But say yes. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Lever- there again, that's leverage. Uh, yeah. You, when there's out- opportunity to partner uh, with, with the school system, even with other churches, uh, huge leverage. Yeah, and that relationship has just kept going. Yeah. One of the favorite things I do is every Friday night on a home football game, I get five minutes with the football team before they run out on the, the field. Like that has come through years of building that relationship with that school, not crossing any boundaries. They told me I'm not allowed to cross, being very respectful while I'm in there. Um, so just get involved in your community. I mean, uh, we have to, if, you, if we're going to make it in rural communities, yeah. we have to get involved in our communities. Well, and if you say yes, uh, and you and you build a team that can help you say yes, help you answer the yes, uh, when crisis arises, you're the man they'll come to. When oh, absolutely. When there's a suicide, you're the guy they call. Uh, when when the superintendent of the school system wants somebody to pray with him, you're the guy they call. Absolutely. Uh, it, it opens doors. Yeah. And, and I think you also said a, a good thing here. Don't cross any lines. You know, yeah. you know I mean, obviously, because I, I know that some people, they've been asked to do some things, and, and they're like, well, you know, well, I, I'm going to make sure I, I, I get this. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they have lines that, that they need you to follow. Yep. And, and just fo- follow the rules because, you know, you know it's, I mean, the thing is, once you establish a, a rapport with them, they can come to your church, and then you can preach your message to Absolutely. them. Absolutely. I mean, you know, your job when you're announcing a basketball game isn't, isn't to preach the word to them. It's to announce a basketball game. Right. And when I walk into that school, I don't have authority there. Right. Yeah. I, and, and I submit to their authority. And, and, and I protect that. And I even tell my young people, we have some interns, our youth department, they go in for lunches every day pre-COVID. I say, hey, listen, here, here's what I've done. Here's what you're going to do. We're going to respect the authority there. And if they tell us we can't talk about Jesus there, well, we can invite them, though, to our, our Wednesday night. We can invite them to church. Yeah. But we're going to respect the authority there. And I think that's hard for some people to swallow at times, but it's paid off dividends for us. Yeah, I mean, it's um. It's amazing, and you know, I know there are a lot of people that say, "Well, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do everything that I know to do or whatever." But man, 
you know, just be there to, to you know, well, even Paul talked about being all things to, to, to all men so that you might win some. And, you know, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. So you can just show, you know, that you care and you love and you're there for them. You're there to, to you know, be with them and, you know, invite them to your church. And at that point in time, then you can minister the, the word to them. Um, you know, obviously, when you're talking to the f- football team, I'm sure motivational type stuff, um, you know, and, you know, you know, it's 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 a great great thing. And I've in rural communities, I've never seen, and this probably crosses everywhere. Nobody ever turns down food. That's true. I That's call the superintendent. I say, hey, can we can we bring the teachers donuts the first day of school? Yes, every time. So every school district we're in, we take them donuts the first day of school. Every teacher, yeah. their teacher luncheons, we ask if we can feed them. Hey, can we cater food in for you guys for your teacher's luncheon? Absolutely. They all have a Keurig in every teacher's lounge. We provide K-Cups for every school, and we put stickers of our logo on the top of the K-Cups. They don't care. Yeah. They're getting free coffee all mm-hmm. year long. And it's just little things like that. It's just, man, there's ways in. And always, always go with a gift. Yeah, your right. your gift makes room for you, and that's no joke in these yeah. rural communities. Whether it's a pack of donuts or K cups, yeah. like it's significance to get involved. Show up to a city council meeting and bring them all uh, Chick Fil A. Absolutely, it pays off. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, you know, and that does work in bigger communities as well. Oh, sure. I mean, like I said, everybody loves food. I mean, I, I know the way they they do things here in Broken Arrow. I mean, I'm sure they do a basketball team as well, but the football team, they they have a they call it a, a, a pregame, like the the on Thursday night before the Friday game, they go to a usually a church and the church feeds them, you know, gives them a gives them a talk and, and things like that, you know, and uh, you know, you know, food warms a lot of people's hearts. Oh, it warms mine. Yeah, That's so, for sure. I mean, you know, and you know, when it comes to the church, it is interesting because because churches and fellowships and food all go together. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, it's a. You know, no matter if you live in a in a bigger town or a small town, and you know, of course, you know, obviously, when you are in a smaller town, less restaurant thing. Then you have, you know, pot luck dinners or pot blessing dinners, whatever you want to call those things. Um, some of them are not too much of a blessing, but yeah, it depends <laughs> whose pot's coming out. It of. really depends. <laughs> those are scary moments. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you know, pastor in a small town now. Here's something else. I think you probably have the mentality because there is a mentality. It's hard to pastor in a small town, but you know, anything's hard if you think it's hard, right? You know, and so I mean, obviously, being from a small town, you're like, well, this is easy. I mean, this is these are my people, so so I, I know how to communicate with them. Um, even though some people said you would never be able to communicate to them, but right. that's okay. You know, they, they get you. They get me. They they get you, and, and you know. And I believe we can, we can minister to anybody, no matter who they are. And if we think things are going to be hard, it's going to be hard. If we think things are going to be easy, they'll be easy. It's really really our perspective in yeah. life. And yeah. and like I said, I've always said I, I can I can never live in a small town. But you know, if that's what God called me to do, then then I could I can do all things through Christ to give me right. strength. But but literally, no matter where you're at, the harvest is plenty. It is. Yeah. It really is. It's the labors that are few. So I'm just thrilled I'm a laborer. Like, because that harvest is plenty. There's not a town we go into where there's not a great need. Um, And even if there's three or four churches in town that are doing a good job, man, there's still room. And the the harvest is plenty, whether it's Broken Arrow or whether it's our listeners in India. The harvest is plenty. And, man, it's not hard. We just go after it. Amen. 
Just go do what you feel God called you to do. Man. And, and if you think that you might want to be a member of that harvest, rbtc.org, Rainbow Bible Training College, you know, might be a place to learn, um, you know, to to go into that, to be a, become a laborer. In fact, now one thing I always say, at Rainbow, we train visionaries. We, we train people that are going to go out and we're going to do something. I mean, obviously, when, when Justin came to school, he didn't know what he was going to do. I mean, you know, he, you know, he didn't know where he was going to go. And, you know, he said he took the first opportunity to go out and be a youth minister to no youth. I mean, the, he had no youth in, in his youth group, um, but he took that opportunity to work with the church. And then God moved him back to his um, hometown area. And then, you know, it was just God just worked from there. But, you know, maybe you're, you're there and you're thinking, man, maybe God has a plan for my life. And, and I don't know what that is. Raymond Bible Trading College is a good place to find God's plan for your life and you can have great people come and and, and um, teach you like myself and, and tony and here justin here this week is talking to the third year pastors um you know and it's kind of a unique experience you that are planning to be in the pastoral ministry we bring in pastors who are actually doing that yeah who are actually in from, from different different size churches it's not just the same size church you know because you know, we have pastors come from a small town, pastors come from a, a bigger town, and, you know, and, and they talk about how to pastor in, in your community because, um, you know, there is no just one way to do it. And you know, I, I'm sure, Justin, did you ever go to these church growth conferences and things like that, um, you know, or you kind of person just didn't care about No, I, I, I wanted to learn from everybody. And uh, what I learned was is that there, what you said, there's, there's just not one way to do it. What works yeah, somewhere else may not work. But there are some good principles you learn along the way. There are some good things that you can take. Uh, no, nobody needs to tell me how to connect with the community now. I, I know those things. Um, but you definitely, re, I'll say this. What I got from Rama is how to hear what I need to do. There you go. Like, you can have a church, you can go to church planning conferences all the time, and, and, and I, I don't think any of that's negative, but you have to hear what you're supposed to do. And um, there's nothing saying that you should go into towns of a thousand people, Tony. But, man, that's what the Lord's led us to do, and it's been good for us. Well, this, again, this thing is this pastoral thing. It's context-specific. There is no blueprint, uh, but we have to hear from God. Got to. Yeah. I mean, you have to, and you can get all the greatest principles in the world, but if you're trying to launch a church in a place and you're not even called to pastor, mm-hmm. you're gonna, you're not going to make it. Or your gift doesn't fit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, I just learned to just stop and listen to that. There you go. What am I, what is the Lord telling to me? And, uh, man, that, that hasn't served me wrong yet. Yeah. I'm not always right and I miss it, but thank goodness for his goodness and mercy. Amen. Like, yeah. Amen. You know, and we're not always going to do everything right, but you know what? God God will help us get through it. And, you know, and sometimes, I mean, you know, some of the things that you've done wrong in your first church has probably helped you in your second oh, and third church. Oh, my goodness. You know, because, and also it's helped other people. Like I said, when you come to Raymond here and minister, you know, I know a lot of people, for whatever reason, they don't listen when they, people are telling stories about things that they they probably did wrong. And then they go make the same mistakes. And that's, that's foolishness. Sure. You know, and, and you know, we, we should listen to, you know, sometimes I know the younger generation don't want to listen to their, their our elders, so to speak. <laughs> you know, but a lot of times people made a lot of mistakes that you don't have to make. You know, but, you know, sometimes we have we have children, you know, or or students that they just have to make the mistake for themselves because they're, they're they won't listen. You know, every every older pastor has told me uh, to not neglect my family. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, I have young kids, and it's one thing that I, I've i listened, and I don't want to make that mistake. So I, I – and my, my older pastors that have made mistakes before me, they've all told me the same thing. Take care of your family. Take care of your family. Spend time with them. And that's some of the best advice I'd ever gotten in ministry is the more my family is a priority that God has entrusted me with, the better the church thrives. The healthier I am personally and with my family, the healthier it is for my church. Yeah. Well, you know, the comments that I get a lot or have gotten a lot is that um, my parents care more about the church than they do me. Yeah. And, in fact, um, when I was over just just um, a year or so ago, pre-COVID, I was at Ramah, Albania. And um, we were able to do a, a pastoral form um, with a lot of pastors. And, you know, and they, were, they told us, Craig, you don't understand we're first generation pastors. Um, you know, b- before we started, pa- I mean, you know, not the first generation Christian, we're first generation, you know, pastors because, you know, it was illegal to have religion. Um, and so um, one of the things they asked us said, what are our kids going through? I mean, you know, we, we, we've, we've never, we didn't grow up, you know, where, where I grew up as a, as a preacher's, you know, you know, child, I understand what are our kids going through? And I was able to talk to some of their kids and, and, you know, and told them, I said, man, you can't neglect your kids. You know, I mean, even if you win the whole world and lose your family, I mean, what good do you accomplish? And, and also, I think we lead by example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know one thing that my father is an awesome dad. Yeah. And um, it's really helped me become an awesome dad. And, you know, my kids are number one in my life and still are. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes me cry. But, but you, know, you know, I think it's important that all pastors – um, understand that their kids are very important, and a lot, a lot of, a lot of pastors are, you know, whatever, whether it's fame, whether it's fortune, whether they, they just want to be recognized. That, you know, a lot of times they neglect their family to, to, to be able to do that, and that's probably the biggest mistake that a pastor can, yeah. can do, is, um, you know, and, and you know, uh, unfortunately, I've, I've talked to a lot of kids, especially the, the ones that, that are my age that grew up, and I know a lot of kids are not in ministry today, because or not they're not even Christians today, or are you know at least the kind of Christians that we would think are really Christians? I'm not saying they don't they haven't been accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, but they're not going to church and they're they're not where they could be because their family neglected mm-hmm. them, and it's sad. If you have to choose between neglecting your church and neglecting your family, neglect your church. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I know that there's some listeners probably listening on full tilt right now, <laughs> but. If you have to make the choice, neglect your church because that family, that's what God entrusted me with. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't mess around with that. And I don't have one pastor that no, no, no pastor that's older than me has told me, man, I, I just wish I would have focused more on my church and less on my family. It's always the opposite. Yeah. I yeah. wish I would have spent yeah. more time with my family and less time worrying about the church because the church is, we're always going to deal with problems. It's yeah. not going to go away. We only get a couple years with our kids. At home until they move up, move on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's awesome to see you get emotional about that because that's where the real heart lies. Is man, that's our family. That's huge. Yeah, I I know it's it's interesting because my my dad um, he made plenty of sacrifices because the time he was traveling when when I was this church didn't start till I was a junior in high school. So my dad traveled a lot. So, but but he made every effort. You know, when he was in town to to try to help. He, he would always maybe be assistant coach of our, my football teams, baseball teams, basketball teams. 
because, you know, since he had to travel some, he even coached. Now, he actually coached my soccer team, knew nothing about soccer because I can motivate. And he, he found someone, uh, uh, one of our employees here that was that played soccer, was on a state championship um, soccer team in North Carolina, said, you're now my assistant coach. You coach and I'll motivate. So There we go. So, you know, so when my dad was out of town, it didn't matter. The real coach was still there. <laughs> but come on. I, I mean, I, I think this bears worth talking about because – I remember here. I've even heard stories where didn't your mom and dad load you up in the RV most summers? Oh yeah, and you guys would just go and visit churches and travel and speak. But they didn't leave you to do it. They took you with them, right? Yeah, no, no. Before we, before school started, before I started school, um, we um, we traveled all the time. And then after after we made the decision, or my parents made the decision that they wanted me to be in school. And of course, obviously, at that point in time homeschooling wasn't this popular either right. and so but but they wanted me to actually be in school have real friends be able to play sports and that kind of thing so they made the decision that um that that i would stay here i mean actually mom would stay and you know but during the summertime we would travel i mean all summer long i mean that was the deal i'm like if i played baseball um you know obviously a lot of the baseball teams they would play all summer long but but you know come come may if when school ended I couldn't play baseball. You know, I would start traveling, and yeah, I spent many, many, many years in a in a motor home, um, you know, traveling around. You know, and, and I was able to travel the whole country. Um, and the great thing about traveling is, you know, dad and mom would would always try to, okay, we're out in California, okay, we're going to visit Disneyland, you know, or we're going to visit Disney World or whatever. So we we're able to see a lot of things. I mean, I, I remember going to Washington D.C. You know, when it wasn't guarded by troops and things, and, and, and when everything was open, you know, unlike now during COVID, and, and seeing a lot of things in Washington D.C. because we were in that area, and so we took a th- you know two or three days off. That, that was the, the way we had vacation was we would preach, sure, and then have a few days off, um, you know, in, in different places. But and, our kids with ministry, our kids are not a hindrance; they're a blessing. Yeah, yeah. And if we lose sight of that man, what are we doing? Well, and you're marking them. They remember. They remember. Oh my goodness! Yeah, my kids tell stories and now and 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 it makes me weep i'm thinking it's the grace of god we got it right right you know in the midst of trying to figure it all out and we're not looking for i mean there's no perfect parents i mean no mary and joseph left jesus yeah right so it's not like they're perfect parents but man i i just don't want ministry i don't want them to feel like ministry was always more important than them no way so yeah i think you know kids are the most important and and you know it's it's good to have good kids. Amen. You know, and I think that the great thing is, is you know, right here, you know, two of my kids are, are in Rama. One's first year, one's second year. My other one works here at the ministry. He hasn't felt called to go into ministry, but he's he works here in vital part. So it's a great, great, great thing to be able to work with the kids. And, and I, I know if I neglected them, they'd be gone right now. I mean, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, they would go live in a bigger town. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, someplace like Dallas. Yeah, like Dallas was. I mean, you know, that was that was my dream growing up. Actually, not to live in Dallas, but to live out in Los Angeles, California, with Mickey wow. Mouse. You know, so no, no thanks. Anyway, we're, we're kind of getting off subject, but once again, if you don't know what you're called to do, and you know, and you want to learn more about the Bible, or maybe you do know you're called to the ministry, we encourage you to check out Raymond Bible Training College, rbtc. dot org. Also, we have. Coming up, Raymond College Week in April 9th, 10th, and 11th. And we would love to have you um, come to College Weekend. Amen. But, 
you know, we're so excited for you joining us for this podcast. And once again, we would like to hear from you. Podcast at Raymond.org. Send us an email. Um, um, like us on social media. And we're so glad to hear from our listeners all over America. Justin, it was so good to have you. Hey, thanks with for us having the me. Last two programs. I'm sure we'll have you again when you're back in town. But once again, here at Raymond, we're bringing hope, hope, help, and healing to the world. world.